This is CliffCentral.com. Future CEOs on CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Future CEOs here on Cliff Central. It means we are pulling someone uh, probably incredibly insightful. Lee, stop me if I uh, go wrong here, but incredibly insightful, intelligent, someone that has moved from being a, a high potential into someone that is uh, what who high potentials emulate and want to be like. That's who we bring into studio. Uh, today we have Lee Nakin's studio. Uh, you're not a stranger to future CEOs. You're not a stranger to Cliff Central. Uh, welcome back into the studio. Well, I'll take it. Thank you very much, Gareth. It's a pleasure being on your show once again. Now, for those of you who haven't listened to the show, we, we ordinarily would start by asking, are you a future CEO? And so if you say yes to that question, that are you a future CEO? Well, then this really is the show for you. As I mentioned, uh, we bring people into studios to help you uh, either expedite the growth of your career or your business. In this particular in- instance, uh, Lee has an interesting background, which uh, I mean, you you were a, a consultant at Accenture. You moved into an MD role there, heading up the digital division. Then you were uh, was it a headhunting thing that ha- that happened? Headhunted into the office of the CEO at Trans Union Africa. Uh, you're now a CEO. I mean, you really have followed the path that many of our listeners have wanted to do or, or do want to do. How does that make you feel when you think about or you, when you look back on your career? Well, I guess it's every kid's aspiration to be successful in life. And I think I've had the opportunity to join a really good company. In, in fact, back in the, in the day, it was called Anderson Consulting when I joined in 1998. Mm, yep. And I followed quite a high-performing path and I guess taking every opportunity along the way. And like you rightly said... I went from a junior analyst back in 1998 quite quickly to a director within the organization and onto heading two divisions, first the IT strategy division and then more recently digital, which as you know is the big thing right now. And, uh, you know, sometime last year, in fact, around April last year, TransUnion started reaching out as it started to pivot away, you know, to a new kind of play. So if you don't know TransUnion, you know, it's the largest credit bureau in South Africa. Mm. It started in 1901. And for many years, it's been a central player in the entire lending economy. And as I started to play in digital and started to help organizations transform each other, the big question to myself was, where is this going? Mm. And clearly we're moving to a very connected ecosystem where where digital and data plays a central role in everything we do. Yeah, absolutely. And if absolutely. I could be the one and almost started to create a new conversation and started to ask the question, could data and information do good? And what I found that resonated with me is that information for good was the central ethos of TransUnion. Mm. And I was being, I was being asked by this organization globally, could you take an organization that was one thing and make it completely something else mm. and started to position it in a new way where in a tough macroeconomic environment, could we start to ask, could there be a new way to converse with each other, to solve problems, social inclusion, financial inclusion by using mobile tech, using mm. analytics and using the power of connection? Now, you see, as a layman, I sit here and, I, and I'm wondering how in the heck do you do you do this? Because it's, it seems like a, a very 
for want of a better phrase, a very one-dimensional type of organization potentially. But actually, there, as you have rightly now corrected me perhaps in in my thinking or my previous thinking, there, there's a real opportunity on the horizon because, as you say, digital and technology is connecting us uh, globally. It's not just uh, – I mean, you may – uh, be uh, running the operation here, but actually it's, this is a global thing. Well, absolutely. And, you know, in our, in our previous conversations, we spoke a lot about how the world is being disrupted. And if you don't disrupt yourselves, then others will disrupt you. And I think part of the central strategy of TransUnion is how do we continue to evolve who we are, to drive your own relevance. Mm. So in one part, we started off being a credit bureau, which is central to the entire lending and decisioning mm-hmm. ecosystem. Which is, which is how I would have seen us, right? Absolutely. And, you know, we've got 10,000 odd clients in, in this region. So in looking after, you know, eight different countries in my portfolio is a full-time job. But a key thing about the current businesses, we, we reposition ourselves as an information and risk services organization mm. and starting to ask the question, with all the information one has, whether it's about consumers and businesses and start to see patterns in that, can we start to solve societal problems? Because mm. ultimately, in a country like South Africa, in a continent like Africa, where we are so set up for growth, how do you start to connect the dots? Mm. And given my background in digital and technology, Challenges like connectivity are fast fading away. You know, hashtag data must fall. Mm. That's happening right now. And as the world becomes connected, as we connect the rural with the urban centers, suddenly data flows across them. And as data flows, the question was, what problems could you solve? And given my, my long background in transformation, I've been starting to position my new, my organization to ask those questions. Mm. How could you help organizations grow when they are about to collapse? How do you help them take on a digital challenger that you know has no brick and mortar? Mm. How do you take on a bank that isn't really a bank? Yeah. And as the kind of disruption happens, you know, I, I love the fact that it's a challenge. We don't know all the answers, and every day there's a new conversation about relevance and disruption. And when you start to think about things differently, and I think more specifically. Specifically, Gareth, when you start to think about purpose, think about outcomes versus mm. outputs, mm. the entire conversation changes. If you can link what you do as an individual and as an organization to driving a very specific outcome that is felt in reality, then not only do you have irrelevance as a person, but what you do every day has purpose and meaning, mm. and it gives you the energy to solve these complex problems. I remember you actually mentioning the first time I heard you talk about outcomes was at an event at Leader X, where you spoke quite strongly on this idea of moving, transforming the way that you think about things to outcome, outcomes-based thinking, and I, I appreciate it. The uh, I want us to, before we, because uh, I'd like to explore your thinking, the, uh, the way that you approach a, a transformation agenda of sorts like you are doing there at uh, TransUnion. H- how you do that, I, I want us to explore those questions that you would ask. But before we go there, I- I'd like to explore, you've been there for 10 months now. Let's talk a little bit about the, the journey. You, you arrive in, off, in the office on day one, and wh- what does that look like? What does it feel like? Are there, are there uh, streamers and cake and champagne, or was it... Uh, business as usual, oh, here's the new boss. Uh, And then how did that unfold? Well, 
There certainly was in Champagne, at least the way you describe it. And I guess I had the benefit of the organization kind of warmly introducing me into the organization. So part of what I'd done was spend a lot of time trying to learn the business in my uh, the intermission between my older career and the new career I was starting. So I actually had the really good benefit of actually going around to a few of the countries where TransUnion is based mm. to actually observe my, my peers in other regions uh, thinking through and watching how they go about their operations. So in the early part of December, I had the chance to travel to the U.S., to Canada, and actually watch the operations, speak to all the key folk. And over my final week, few weeks of holiday in December, I got my head around this opportunity, mm. right? And then I started work 3rd of January and kind of got on on things, right? So it's a brand new opportunity, but you know the, the operations there, it's been running for a long time. Mm. There are hundreds of people that run the operation. And for me, it, has to, it was about how do you settle in? And the biggest thing, I guess, the journey had started on the 3rd of January. How do you start to acclimatize the organization? Change can only happen when I start to open up myself to learning and understanding. I was the outsider. Mm. I wasn't the guy that knew everything. And part of my own resolve was to open up to learning and growing because only when we found each other could we grow forward as an organization. Well, you're touching on a very important point, which is that you can't do anything without your team. And coming from the outside, you know, often people are pointed into these kinds of structures or offices from internally because there's a continuity perhaps there. In your case, they selected you because you had a particular background. Perhaps you could drive an agenda, a new agenda. But then you're going to get people that are looking at you and saying, whoa, 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 whoa. And they're going to feel like you're a potential threat. How did you then bridge that gap? Well, that's an ongoing journey, I guess, in any kind of transformation. I think where we are as an organization right now, part of the challenge is to find individual relevance with my team and the organization itself. In fact, the very first thing I did when I joined the organization, I declared to the entire organization, my initial weeks and months would be spent listening and hearing. Mm. It's very hard to declare that you know the answers if you're the outsider. So as an initial resolve, it was to go around and meet the different teams in the different cities that I, that I look after and to ask people, what do they think? What do I need to know? What are the challenges? What do they think I should do first? And almost open up myself to learning and acquire new knowledge. And I actually spent a lot of time doing that. In fact, in the very first month, I almost interfaced with close on 300 people oh, wow. in different settings mm. just to understand what I didn't need to know. I guess the biggest challenge for me coming in was to acclimatize the knowledge and the kind of organization we had sooner rather than later. For us to make very clear and decisive decisions requires us to know what's going on. And, and it's important to bear in mind that in a typical organization, the change won't happen overnight. So the journey is ongoing. Every day we try to do better as an organization, as a leadership team. And, you know, we never be, will be perfect at this. Sure. But every day is a journey in the right direction. And I guess what's good about TransUnion, at least from a global perspective, is that we're very clear as to who we want to be mm. and what good looks like. Mm. And as long as you have that North Star, Garrett, locked down, you can kind of keep your your compass focused where you need to. And it gives you a guidance as to where, you, where you're getting there in the right direction. So 300 people in the first month is a lot of people. How do you how, how do you know what to take on and what to ignore? How do you know what, what you sh who you should be listening to and what the, and whether or not what someone is saying is relevant or or not? What what kind of questions should any person who is transitioning into that kind of role be asking um and then asking on an ongoing basis? 
Well, I guess the key thing is to, to listen and find kind of data points that confirm or deny things that you share. You almost want to get enough data to understand what's going on mm. and almost to kind of figure out what the outliers are and have a consistent view of what's going on. So, so can I jump in here very quickly? Are you saying that we must listen to the perception, but it must be supported by data? Well, there's two things, right? One, you need to understand the qualitative views of what people are thinking, what, mm. are, what they're saying. And this will take time. You know, it'll take a lot of time. And every time I meet a new person in the corridor, I'm always going to ask, you know, what do you think? And then you start to take the data about the business performance or any other capability assessment or any other perspective. And like you said, you're trying to get together the qualitative and the quantitative views and put them together. And as they come together, you start to have a view that emerges that allows you to figure out these, this is typically what you'd like to do. And ultimately, when you join a new organization, you know, we're one team mm. at the leadership level. You don't want to try and do what you just want. You want to find collective buy-in because you're not having this team mentality. It's not going to work. So that's something I'm trying to do. And we kind of work at it every day. How do you get to consult and work together? And we actually call it a first team culture. Mm. How do you make us all one team and find a way to bring everybody along on the journey? Because like you rightly said earlier, you can't do this by yourself. So I've back in the day, a long time ago, it feels like a long time ago, I, I worked in a small consultancy and we went into some large operations. And what seems to happen in, invariably in probably all organizations is that there's a, there's the ceiling, there's this, this layer um, and some people have described it as the cement layer that exists between middle management and senior management and the senior team. And so it's one thing to have a, a united senior team, but how do you how do you have a united organization? And maybe I can ask it in a little bit of a different way, which is how do you uh, break through that cement? How do you get the real information and the stuff that's happening at the coalface? Uh, to come through to your team when sometimes you've got middle management that feel like they shouldn't be giving poor information because their jobs rely on a positive perception of themselves in order to stay where they are? Well, that's a great question, but probably answered in a few parts. I think the initial part was to listen and ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I wanted to get a pulse of the organization in terms of what is the purpose that you seek, Right. Trying to kind of find out whether there's a congruence between the job you have mm. and the purpose of the organization. So that was a central theme to my initial kind of foray into listening. Another thing that's really important is that you can't just seek information from your immediate direct reports. Yep, so, exactly. so we do something called skip level meetings. We actually jump a level and you jump another level. Lovely. So in actually meeting and listening to the pulse of the organization, we started to put together groups of people that would give you diverse views as you went forward. So that was quite key. And it's something I did, I think, in the initial few weeks and something we continue to do. If you really want to have a pulse of the organization, you have many vehicles. First is to make yourself approachable and accessible to the organization and start to find a way to get access to the data. Of course, you have other vehicles to do so, whether it's what we call a pulse survey or an engagement survey, and start to ask the hard questions. And the reality is that you're never going to make everyone happy. Mm. The key thing is to be open and honest and ask for the feedback and then have a willingness to try and take on some of these challenges and put forward some quick wins on the board mm. and show the management intent to get there. Having said that, it's a journey. 
right? Change specifically when you start to pivot an organization and move it in a different direction or to evolve its kind of role in the, in the current ecosystem takes a lot to get going. So the journey has to be clearly thought through and very, very you know, directionally correct. You want to make sure that everything you do takes you forward one step mm. and another step and not two steps back every other turn. Mm. So it's something we've thought through a lot, try to find the buy-in, consulting with my peers, my global organization, to make sure that what we do is well thought through. And ultimately, whatever you do isn't going to be perfect. I think what an organization requires us to do as leadership is to try to reach out. And then the final part of this it's, it's, it's quite important, Gareth, is to talk about how we start to collapse the hierarchies mm-hmm. in an organization. And, and, you know, having spoken to me previously, I'm a massive fan of engagement and trying to find how we can connect at a humanity level. Mm. With the advent of digital and being a digital guy myself, you know, digital in some way allows us to become more human, but only if we want to. Right, And if we start to find a way to connect the people and get the soul of the organization organized, then there's nothing we can't accomplish sure. as an organization. I agree. So that's the journey I'm on, right? Now trying to find us a way to connect better and focus us on where we want to get to. And as I get into 2018, which is my new financial year, have very clear focus on where we want to get to and have both the leadership team and the organization set up for success in that direction. So here's an interesting question. Uh, you, you, of course, new to the organization. You, you, as you've rightly said, you want to get these small wins and these other things on the board, but there is a journey. Uh, in this short journey that you've been on, at least, uh, for the first 10 months, have there been any mistakes that you've made that, uh, a story that you can share and you just, uh, that, that really has taught you something really valuable? Well, that's a, it's a great question. And I guess, You're never going to be right with most things. Mm. And I guess part of my initial uh, thing that I learned very, very quickly, in fact, a part of the the organizational culture was to provide me a coach to help with my own transition. You know, part of my my initial thinking about coming into the organization was that I would have all the answers to all the questions Mm. as a preconceived, you know, set of answers. Here you go. Off we go in the right direction. But I very, very quickly learned that if I wasn't going to focus on building the relationships and building the culture of change, then change could never happen. And I learned that actually before I started, I was actually set correct by my coach Mm. even before I started. And that's a very humbling thing to to actually think about in that you may have all the answers in your context, but your context has now changed. Mm. And to understand how you're climatized before you move on, it's probably been the very first lesson I learned. I think the other lessons that I've learned along the way is the, the power of teaming and making sure you leave no one behind, right? So making sure that whatever decision we make, we try and consult as much as possible to make sure that you, know, you leave no one behind. And all views, whether it's the right view, the wrong view, should be a considered view. It's an ongoing task, I think, for any leader to make sure you do that because ultimately, by yourself, you can do nothing. Mm, no, no, I agree. Uh, I sat with a CEO uh, a short while ago, and he, d- he said, and it was a wonderful quote that I'm going to hash if I try and do it um, as he said it, but essentially what he said is make a decision, whether it's wrong or right, uh, just deal with the consequences later, but you've got to make a decision as a CEO. Uh, your feelings around this idea of decision making and and how long i mean this is very relative but how long should it 
should you take to make large decisions? I mean, what kind of consultation process is involved there? The reason I ask that is just because I've, we've seen a number of different smaller businesses m- making some strange decisions, um, and these are some of some friends of mine that are doing it. Well, I guess the answer is it depends. It sounds like, mm. you know, that isn't the right answer no, to the no, question. No, no look, it's, it's relative. It's relative to the context within which you face. I guess if you're looking to change a large organization, so I look after entities in eight different countries, and we have a, a, an operation that's running fine just the way it is. You're looking to tweak that, but also sort of start to change the ship's direction slightly. So finding new ways to adjust and tweak as we go along. So in some regard, there are some decisions that can, that need to be well thought through and considered and business cases done for. There are things that need to be done to kind of change the intent as a leader. For example, injecting new leadership into the organization to bring a new perspective on things is something I've done quite quickly in my initial 10 months. Okay. So bringing new people that has a new view on how we market or how we think about people or how we think about a new sector that's evolving in a new direction. So bringing part of the old and part of the new was something you could do quite quickly because bringing together new and old perspective starts a new conversation and the new conversation, in my view, leads to a platform for change in your organization. Uh, I mean, uh, it's so interesting how people-centric CEOs have to be, but how often the perception is that it's not about people. It's it's often about how good of a CA you are or uh, whether you have a BSc or something behind your name. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that in your previous role, you came onto the show and you were discussing how you weren't even looking at, at degrees anymore. You were looking at a diversity in thinking, and this is coming through here now. How free are you to explore that with in TransUnion? Well, I think we're very free. I think the reality is that, you know, we had a known set of skills we traditionally would be associated with. For example, in, in, our, in our organization right now, I've got lots of statisticians, actuaries, mm. I've got data scientists, and you wouldn't necessarily associate those skills with my organization. But as we evolve to information for good as a central ethos of the organization, you're going to need a whole new bag of skills to match with the older skills you had from a risk perspective. So I think the question isn't about, you know, how you go about doing it, doing things. It's about what you're going to do. And I have the opportunity to work with my team and they work with their teams to get the right people on board to deliver the how. And as I keep saying for my conversations and, you know, to quote the Simon Sinek, mm. it's the why, the what, and the how. And the purpose drives everything we do as individuals and as organizations. And that culture is really important. So where I'm right now, it's about being open to change, about looking in places for people that you would never look for traditionally and being open to the fact that how you look, how you dress, where you sit physically or virtually isn't important. It's how we come together collectively to drive the outcomes we seek as individuals and as organizations. Yeah, I mean, I keep on hearing the outcomes, outcomes that you, that you do emphasize Absolutely. on an ongoing basis. And, I, and I, again, I appreciate it so much. I, I want to challenge you, though, if I may. Uh, the, the idea of purpose, the idea of the why, uh, when you go to someone that's ab- at the absolute front line that is just there for technical, uh, their technical output, that, that really is why we, we employ them. Uh, it's, it's sometimes a bit of a far reach to say, you, I know you're going to be inspired by our organization. How do you do that? Uh, it's so difficult to reach into that individual who is working 16, 14, sometimes 20-hour day perhaps even, uh, and you'll know from your history. Uh, but 
the the leadership team right at the top is saying rah rah we've got purpose but actually you're not feeling the purpose at all how have you been able to or, or, or how do you think about addressing those kinds of issues i think that's a great question and i think it starts by understanding for every single person what is it that they seek as individuals what are their aspirations so you, you alluded to you know a more junior administrator mm. analyst type function mm. the reality is there are some people that want to be really good at doing one thing mm. very very myopic very focused and that's okay because in the world we live in we need all sorts kind of like a bag of licorice yeah. right we need all sorts we need the people that want to focus on doing very focused tasks. We need people that orchestrate tasks that put these commodity pieces together. We need the solutioning guys. We need the cheerleaders as well. And they all come together in the right recipe. But I think what's important is that when you contrast the kind of the, the rah-rah from an individual, I guess the point to make is that we need to spend the time to understand for every single person what is it they seek and is there congruence between what they seek for themselves and the role that they have? You may find, Gareth, in my experience that you find individuals that are very, very happy doing what they're doing every single day without change, mm. whereas others want change every 6 to 12 to 18 months. It is all sorts and it depends on your personal perspective on where you want to be. It could depend on your family situation, whether you have kids or whether you want to just focus on the specific skills, whether it's data, whether it's analytics, whether it's some kind of marketing or creative. It does depend on the individual. And we as leaders need to be open that we have all sorts of roles and capacities and capabilities that need to exist within our organizations. Mm. No, no, thank you. I, I appreciate your answer. Uh, maybe in closing or winding down the conversation, let me just introduce uh, this idea. So last week we had a 25-year-old CEO here here on the show, um, and he was voted in or pulled into that position by a board um, of, uh, it's hard to call them his peers when they are 40 or 45, 50 years old, but his peers uh, in the organization. Uh, what would, if you're looking at a 25-year-old, what would you perhaps think that they might miss uh, that you might be able to see given this uh, experience set that you now have? So talk to our future CEOs. What would a 25-year-old have to keep his eyes or her eyes open for? Well, I think the first thing, a 25-year-old emerging or a future CEO the reason that they want to emerge into that role is, one, they bring a new perspective. And whether you're a 40-year-old CEO or a board or a peer group around that, that has voted you in, that new perspective, I think, is, is important. Uh, and, and, and in some regard, they're trusting that the perspective you bring in will help give us the direction we need as an organization. What I would tell that CEO, though, the emerging CEO, is to find the people around him that are smarter than he or she is. And that sounds absolutely crazy, but your ability to guide and direct is directly correlating with your ability to have the right people around you that are able to execute and translate the vision. And that's something that in all my conversations with my colleagues in across the C-suite, we all say the same thing. Finding people that are smarter at you, smarter than you rather, actually changes your ability to deliver on your intent. You've got to get the buy into the vision. And that's something I, I fully subscribe to. So my intent is fully to find people that don't just get me, but have a lot more skill and knowledge than I do. And my ability to bring that together in the right recipe, aligned to the strategy, will allow us to succeed as an organization. I guess the only thing that and I, I appreciate, it, I keep on saying this, I appreciate it, I really like what you're saying. The only thing is that 
some people might see that as a, a threatening exercise. How do you how do you not feel threatened by people that are smarter than you, especially if you're collecting them into a team and they really are smarter than you? Well, the reality is that in an organization like mine or any other organization in the current world, all the orthodoxies of how organizations work have changed, right? You know, the, the CEO isn't always the oldest person. Mm. Equally so, the most senior person is not the smartest person. You know, I've had a chance to work with rocket scientists in teams that were more junior than I am. And of course, you felt threatened by them. But you've got to realize that everyone brings a perspective. We need to get over ourselves, Gareth. Mm. We need mm. to understand that there's a bigger and a a broader perspective to why we exist as organizations and as a collective. If we subscribe to the bigger picture, they understand that we all have a role to play. It would be wonderful if we all knew all the answers, but we don't. Mm. And if you come to that realization, then you open up yourself to partnering. It is true that we all as, as individuals have a very competitive individualistic focus on ourselves. But the reality is as a, as a country of 54 million people, Together, we can do so much more. Leah, I think that that is the phrase that we're going to end the conversation on. Uh, it was a, and a key point. I, I like the idea of getting over yourself. Uh, thank you for being here in studio. Thank you for sharing part of your journey with us. And we look forward to having you back in studio and reflecting back on this conversation and seeing how far you've come. So thank you, Lee. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. This is CliffCentral.com.